Hi, I'm Trenton Stander. Hi, I'm Tim Brown. And, and this is the Open Heart Cast. Three, two, one, go. Welcome to this week's episode of the Open Heart Cast. We're here in Benoni at Tim's workshop. How are you doing, buddy? Coming to you live straight out of Benoni. I ask you a question. <coughs> you must answer that question. How are you doing, Boza? Uh, I'm doing good. Yeah. It's Friday. Um, the weekend has started. Yes. It was hot as balls today. Yeah, it was, hey? I was dying in the workshop today. I haven't had to switch my fan on for a while, but so glad I did. But I spent almost the whole day today just fucking driving around. Yeah. I'm so over that shit. Yeah, they must have been hectic. I'm done adulting. As long as you're not done adulterating. No, no, just adult. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so um, what else have you been up to this week, buddy? So I finished off two cleavers. Yeah. And I've got some progress made on knives for Brooklyn. Yeah. Uh, I've finished hand sanding a chef's knife, so it's ready for bolsters and a handle. And I dug out another project knife, which has already been hand sanded. I was waiting for the right piece of wood for the handle. Um, and then I realized I have a piece. What are you going to use? I'm going to use that resin cast uh, pepper bill. That one I don't like. The one you don't like. Oh, uh, shucks. That's uh, your problem. <laughs> I believe it might be a customer's problem too. But um, I don't know. Like I was talking to Grant about that the other day. And um, I don't know. There's, there's certain there's certain like resin cast, you know, where the, where mm. the resin like fills up gaps in the, mm. in the wood. I, like personally, I just don't like it. That's because you've got no taste. Well, it could be. It could be. It could be. It could be but I don't know. Yeah. It just doesn't doesn't do anything for me. It's personally. the same same as me there, English. Um, G10. Yeah. Yeah, look, I, on, a, on a tactical knife. No, even then, it's yeah. like... Look, it, on I, a tactical I, knife, it makes more sense. But I, I, see, I see some of these guys with these G10 knives and... They've got all these obscure colors that don't mix, and it's just like, no, man, you just fucked up the knife. And it's not even a tactical knife. It's like yeah. <clears throat> a kitchen knife, and it's got white, orange, and black, and the orange is like a faded. It, it just well, looks shit. Well, this is an interesting subject, isn't it? Because, like, we were talking about this on the on the shop talk, shop talk today. Yeah. And uh, we were saying, like, Grant was saying that he's, he's playing around with different mm. – uh, Different things like those brass <coughs> shavings, those brass shavings that mm. he he did mm. uh, in the resin that looks just. But he mm. says he wants to do some black resin in there, which I think will be like dyed black, yeah, and then do that, which I think will look really cool. But this is this is the point that I was I was talking to Antonio about this, and mm. there is so much space mm. to be creative within knife making. Mm. And some of the things that the guys come up with are not necessarily wrong. It's just that it doesn't appeal to other makers. Yeah. And that's okay. Like, Or it doesn't appeal to a specific groups of, or, or no, I wouldn't say groups, but like, if you look at, uh, uh, 
you get the guys that only use wood or the guys that use my carter yeah. or <clears throat> you get the folder guys and you get the bladesmith guys yeah and you get the stock removers. and you get the stock the like, vegan knife man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but <clears throat> you know different things appeal to different parts of the population sure sure so so what suits me may not suit you yes but it doesn't mean it's wrong is that true true yeah. true true so that's the thing it's like um there's i mean it's it's like fashion yeah it's like fashion fashion is like you'll be walking in the mall and you'll be like what the actual fuck over is this guy wearing yeah or this chick like mm. and and it's 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 individuality and that's how mm. people express their style yeah. in a in a creative way and i think that's the that's the beauty of knife making and, mm. and things like that and being creative with whatever it is that you're doing mm. is that there's it's a big enough world yeah it is a big enough world i mean yeah. <clears throat> people you know some times guys you know they're, they're trying to fight over a very small but but you shouldn't be fighting because the market is big enough for everybody it is it's a it's a big enough pond for everybody to fish in mm. You've just got to find what makes you different and you've got to find your own style and then define that style. Yeah. I think that's the point. Mm. Because, like, if you're making a very specific style of knife, that, that knife is going to appeal to the people who genuinely like your stuff. Yeah. You know, may, maybe other people will be like, yeah, that's a nice knife, but the people who you really want to book down are the people who love your style. Hmm. And I mean, uh, what's good for one person may not be good for another. So, yeah. although it may be a good quality knife, it just doesn't appeal to you. Yeah, yeah. So, and that's fine as well. It is fine because, like, yeah, creativity is is a beautiful thing, and and for people to, and I think that's that's something I've also got to get over as well mm. is that to understand that not everybody has the same same style or the same standards that they work to. Yeah. And you can't judge another man's work by your standards. Yeah. Well, you can. If you're teaching that person, I guess you can. Mm. Um, and if you've been a, a knife maker for many, many years. But especially if somebody's in the in the infancy of the mm. of the journey to becoming a knife maker, I think it's you want constructive criticism, of course. Yeah, but you don't want to, at the same time, you don't want to overload them with criticism. Sure. So <clears throat> what I liked about like Stuart and specifically Stuart, Stuart will, I'll ask Stuart not to critique a knife. I'll ask him on a specific part of yeah. the knife that I'm trying to improve. Yeah. So like I still battle sometimes to get my knives thin enough. Yeah, Where Jensen goes out of the top. <laughs> but but it's like <clears throat> I would take something to him and I'd show him and say, What do you think of this edge? And he'll say, No, you need to go thinner or yeah. do this or do that. Mm. And I think that's more helpful in ripping the whole knife to pieces. Absolutely. So that's why you don't take a knife to Niels. If you want to cry, take a knife to Niels and ask him what he thinks of it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I think Niels Niels gives you the advice that you need, but if you can't take it, don't ask for it. Yeah, you gotta be you gotta be prepared to cry. You've you gotta be a man. Yeah, you gotta be a man about it. You can't you can't ask somebody for their critique and then say, oh well, I don't like what this guy said, so he's a douchebag. Yeah, yeah. you can't do that. You've yeah. gotta be prepared for it. 
mm. <clears throat> which goes into one of the topics that we were uh, sort of wanting to discuss, and that was, uh, where is it? Being your own best critic. Yeah, <clears throat> I think it's very easy to be your own worst critic. Mm. Um, because you, you you know the fuck-ups you've made. Yeah. And the, the thing you've got to try and remember is you've got to try and be stay in a positive frame of mind. Otherwise, you're just yeah. going to... You're going to let your brain take you into a negative space. My sure. brain's very good at doing that. Yeah. Um, but you've got to try and be constructive with your criticism and at the level you are at. Sure, sure. So everybody would like to grind a straight razor like Jack Conan. Yeah. But not everybody can. And it takes time to get there. It does. It does. And what you've... Like, <clears throat> this is something that Garth Fletcher was saying to me the other day is that you've got to measure your progress in some form or another. Yeah. And um, like you'll, you'll hit days where you'll be like, I just feel like I'm not getting anywhere. Mm. But that comes down to a lot of things. Like if you are constantly being negative about your own work, mm. it doesn't inspire you. Yeah. I mean, it, it shoots you down so hard. And I think the, the point is that you you need to <clears throat> say, okay, well, this is what my knives used to look at look mm. like. And now this is what they're looking like now. Mm. You've got to give yourself some some sort of perspective to to realize that you are actually making progress, mm. although sometimes it doesn't feel like it. Yeah, I mean, I went through after December, um, I just went through a bad phase with knives. Mm. I had a set of five Damascus hunting knives that I had to make, and I've got a pile of scrap Damascus that I try to forge here. Mm. <clears throat> Eventually, I just got so frustrated um, with making knives that for the beginning part of this year, I didn't actually make a knife. Mm. I made other things. I made tongs. I made hammers. Yeah. Um, but I wasn't inspired to do knives because I just – I, my brain had put me into a negative space mm. and then lockdown happened and then I got back into making knives, yeah. which was pretty cool. But I think I needed that, that time to process through that dealing with the failure uh, of, you know, you know, you're capable of doing the thing you're trying to do, but you're yeah. just not getting it right. Like you today where everything was just fucking. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 But, but I was working with aluminium and apparently that, that fucking, shit is that's terrible but but this is the thing like you you can take it to a very negative place very easily mm. and um i think that uh yeah i i think that you need to you need to look at everything that you've done over however long you, it, it it's been that you've been doing knife mm. making or whatever it is and you've got to say, okay, these are my weak points. I know that now. Mm. What the fuck are you going to do about it? Mm. Okay. Take a piece of steel. Like if you're battling with grinding, take a piece of steel, fucking grind for like an hour, two hours every day. Mm. But you've got to be dedicated about it. Mm. And if you're going to be bitching and moaning that your grinding is not getting better, Maybe you don't know the technique. Well, then go and learn the fucking technique from somebody mm. who does know what the fuck they're doing, like Jack 
and mm. Niels and all the other knife makers who we've mm. spoken about here. But um, you've got to have some sort of game plan mm. because if you've got a game plan, then the frustration is not as much as it would be if you don't have a game plan. Yeah, and I mean, <clears throat> I've been doing a lot of time on the on the drawing board lately since I've yeah. got a light table, good to see of Grant and Trenton's idea. Um, but I've always wanted to improve my drawing. Mm. And earlier this year, Niels told me to stop drawing on fucking graph paper. Yeah. And it's improved my drawing skills so much. Just about everything that I'm drawing now is completely freehand. Although I do use a ruler to measure certain things, but I hardly draw a line on a knife with a ruler mm. or a, f- a flexi curve or a French curve, whatever. And it's learning that fine motor skill of drawing, even with a, a finger that's still uh, not 100% yet. <laughs> <laughs> my, dad, my dad used to call the French curves sexy cl- curves. Yes. I also, yeah. My old drawing teacher in school also used to call them sexy, sexy curves. curves. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, they, they're useful tool, tools. Uh, mm. once, you, once you learn how to use them, they're very, very useful. But, mm. um, but they do limit you. And, yeah. and and you become somewhat reliant on them. That's mm. why I think it's very important to be able to draw. Um, I I don't I don't know how I feel about this. Like it's a it's a it's a yes and no kind of thing for me mm. because I've heard Jack and Neil say if you can't draw it, you can't fucking make it. And yeah, I agree with that. But there's room to argue that point because I think there's a lot of guys who can't draw for shit but they can make stuff Stuart there we go mm, there but, we go but I mean he's been doing it yeah, for I'm such sure, a long time sure but I, I've specifically found if I can't draw the knife I can't forge the knife mm. so if I'm trying to make a cookery I, I battled with a cookery mm. and mm. trying to make it if because I couldn't draw it. Yeah. And once I figured out how to draw it, then it becomes so much easier. Mm. Mm. Because mm. you almost work out the flow of the knife. I don't know how to describe I, it. I think it's I think it's also got to do with you physically taking the time to process how this thing is gonna look mm. and and like you basically en- eliminating some mistakes that you may have made mm. if you just went out and cracked at it and just yeah, I think just I'll, made it. You, you're building a, a picture of what you want the end product to look like. Yes. And if you don't know what yes. the end product is going to look like, you don't. You don't have a roadmap. You don't have a roadmap. Yeah. Whereas a guy like Stuart, I mean, he's been making Bowies and Pucos for plenty years. So he knows yeah. exactly how he wants the knife to look. He knows he, the proportions. He knows what the, he wants. The only thing he needs to work on is that, you know, you'll obviously sometimes be shooting for it like a 12-inch bowie and it'll end up like 14 uh, or 15 <laughs> inches. <laughs> that's a, I wish that was a problem in my life. Like, yeah. that, that, that <clears throat> sounds like a problem I'd like to have. But um, He does have the benefit of a hydraulic press. So it you makes know, it a little bit easier. Th- things like that do make do make the process easier, but mm. he's worked for it for mm. sure, for sure. So, like, yeah. So, so I guess the point is like, I definitely want to improve my drawing and 
and mm. learn how to shade things so that I can see where it is that I'm going with this. Because sometimes, not sometimes, pretty much all the time, shading just helps you get a understanding of like what's going on. Like I mm. don't have the words to say exactly what it is that I want to say, but it gives mm. you an understanding of how the piece is going to look it in gives it once it's a, made. It gives it almost that 3D type uh, effect of it. Yes. It like it brings it out of the page, gives depth it, to it. It does give depth, yeah. And that's that's why, I mean, and, and dude, not only that, it's the satisfaction of drawing something that you came up with. Mm-hmm. Yes, maybe you've taken inspiration from other makers and that's okay. But you've drawn something up and now you make it to Mm. those specifications. Yeah, Yeah. you might change a few things along the way because it doesn't look right and so on. But, dude, it's cool. It's Mm. cool as fuck. Like when Niels does his drawing and he's like, guys, this is what I'm going to fucking make. Mm. And then down the line, you see this thing comes to life and then he puts it on the drawing. I was... I'm always blown away. Yeah. Blown away. Yeah, it's it's incredible. Yeah, the, the daggers that Niels makes. Oh, Are we going to ruin his autopsy again mm. tonight? So, Niels. Going to give you sorry. prostate cancer, my brew. Yeah, blowing so much smoke up your ass. Yeah. <laughs> Nicotine in your gut. <laughs> we won't talk about what Grant says about strippers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, mm. but um, it's an important topic, I think. And uh, and this uh, Bladetober thing mm-hmm. it's good brad woolen shout out to you my boy yeah um it was a great idea it was yeah. a great idea and and i've fallen behind so heavily mm. but it just it shows the importance and i and i and i really respect brad for doing this because it he's he's getting everybody to share their ideas and realize how shit they are at drawing and mm. how good they are at drawing mm. Because also, the, the guys the guys have put stuff out there that original and look, I'm not knocking anybody's work. I'm just saying, like, when I first started drawing knives, mm. they looked like shit, bro. Mm. And compared to what I'm drawing now, mm. it's better, mm. minusculely better, but it's it's still it there's a definite it looks it doesn't look like a twelve year old with a pencil anymore. Mm. Let's put it like that. Yeah. I mean, some of the guys are, are battling, but I mean, it's also, it's it's what Neil said about the, the 48 hour dagger challenge. It's about pushing yourself mm. to the next level. And if unless you, you challenge yeah. yourself to do that, absolutely, you're going to stay in the same rut. Absolutely. And you're not going to get anywhere. You're never going to realize your potential. Mm. You're never going to realize your potential. And, and this is something that goes back to rock climbing for me. Mm-hmm. there was a, a specific face, rock face, that I was battling to climb, and I always got to a certain point, mm. and I was just battling, 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 battling. And But I kept trying that rock face every mm. single time, even if it was just once or twice, because mm. um, eventually you get frustrated with it big time. And uh, one day I was like, this is the day. Mm. And I climbed it. It was a fucking struggle. Mm. But I got to the top. And that's the thing. You've got to push your mind to go beyond what you think you are capable of. Yeah, Niels always says you've got to have that one knife you're working on that you don't think you can do. And it's about, it comes back to being your own best critic. It's like 
you know what you can do um, but you've got to work on that what if I could do this as well it's not a what if it's yeah. a when when it's yeah. a when yeah. because if you want it bad enough mm. you will make it happen mm. if you if you're always going to be like one day one day when I'm big then then it's never going to happen mm. and that's maybe something I should stop saying is is the one day when I'm big <laughs> because I'm big already so well I'm, um, I'm getting close to 45 and I still say one day when I'm big yeah and I mean it's 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 important because you've got to figure out okay do you love this enough yeah if you do love this enough you're going to fucking force yourself to do the hard shit and do mm. the hard labor and get to the skill level that you need to get at mm. to make that knife yeah it's it's the it's the iceberg theory so the tiny bit of success that you see is yeah. supported by all the hard work and the graft and the sure the long hours absolutely and the piles of fuck ups yeah i mean yeah. I, there's a one gun maker i know or gun designer <clears throat> don't he said uh, in his his years of on the one gun that the company i work for uh, makes he he said he's built a couple of fucking scrap bins of how not to make a magazine and that's just the magazine of the gun wow so it seems simple, a magazine for a gun. You know, you put bullets in and it feeds it. But it's actually way more complicated. Yeah. So you've got to go through that process of learning what doesn't work before yes. you get to the one where you learn what does work. Yes. And unless you're pushing yourself to get to something that works, yeah. you're never going to get there. Yeah. And if you keep putting off, putting off, putting off. Yeah. Uh, and I, and I, think, I think it also comes back to, like... Different knife makers use. There, there's a lot of things that they do that's that that's in common. Like there's mm. certain things you cannot change, mm. but there's there's certain processes. Like everybody's got their process, mm. and at the moment I'm still trying to freaking figure out mine. But every knife that I make, I'm like, right, so that way works better if mm. I do it in that strategic pro progressive. Mm. stage like mm. that's so unelegantly put mm. but um you like every knife that you make you learn something from it mm. and even if it's a fuck up mm. my mentor says to me that if it doesn't cost you time and money mm. you will never learn mm. and that's the fucking truth so you've you've got to Make peace with the fact that you're going to make fuck ups. It's just mm. when, yeah, even experienced fucking knife makers make fuck ups sometimes. Uh, and the thing is, you've got to, you can't see a fuck up as a negative thing because if no. you're not, if you're not fucking up, you're not trying hard enough. Exactly. If you ain't breaking them, you ain't making them. That's that. That's the fact. Well, there's there's another saying: if you're not living on the edge, you're taking up too much space. That's a good way of looking at it. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean. It's very easy to fall in that comfort zone of what's comfortable for you. Absolutely. Um, and look, you can get by like that, but it's never going to truly satisfy you. It's not because... You're going to get bored of it eventually. You are. You are. And then you're going to move on to something else and you could have been good at what you were doing. Yeah. And then it's just wasted time. Yeah. And I was talking to um, 
a lighty by the name of uh, Zander. Mm-hmm. And this kid really impressed me. Um, he doesn't have a belt grinder. He doesn't have proper steel. He doesn't mm-hmm. have handle materials. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have football, basically. Mm-hmm. This kid... And this is this is why I say if you want to do it, mm. you will fucking do it. Mm. Because this guy is taking steel that's available to him. Yes, mm. it may not be the the best steel to use. Yeah. But I said to him, fucking do it. You're mm. learning right now. Mm. You're learning. And this kid is making friction folders and he's making flipping fixed blade knives. Mm. I've never made a friction folder. Mm. This kid is rocking it, and he's using materials that that he that he can get, like pine for handles. Mm. And play. I'm not saying it's good materials, but mm. the point here is, he's got an angle grinder, mm. and that's all he's got. And that's what he fucking uses to shape the blade, to grind out the profile, to yep. shape the handle. If you want to do it, mm. you will not look for excuses. <clears throat> I mean, when I started, I. I wasn't intending to make knives, okay? I had done some work on the stock of one of my rifles, and I wanted to make a stock. But in order to make a stock for a rifle, you need special tools. And the gunsmith guy I know, he said, um, well, most of the tools he uses, he made himself. I was like, okay, so that's like blacksmithing, you know, heat up. And then I saw a bit of forged in fire, and then I got interested in the thing, and then it's like, the one guy at my work, he said to me, stop talking about it and just do it. Yeah. So that weekend, I went and I went to the scrapyard. I found a disc from a, I think it was from a truck. found a truck leaf spring. I made an anvil out of the truck leaf spring. I took the disc and a piece of pipe I bought there and I made a coal forge. And we started with charcoal. You start out at a coal forge? Yeah. Jeepers. And that's a hard learning curve. But that must be. Yeah. But the thing was, I wanted to do it enough that yeah. I would sit on my ass. I didn't have it, an anvil stand, and I used to sit and forge. Yeah. And I made lots of fuck-ups. As long as you don't shit and forge. And I filed bevels on mine. I used the angle grinder. Yeah. And then I watched a whole lot of videos on how to make a belt grinder. I got an old electric lawnmower from the guy who said, I must just shut up and do it. Yeah. I old electric lawnmower, I took the electric motor, uh, and I built a belt grinder with it. That's after I took a bench grinder that I bought from a pawn shop and converted that into a mini grinder, which I then used to make fullers on us. And you still don't have a, 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 um, sort of production made grinder. You, you, mm. you've still got your, your grinder that you made yourself and it, yeah. and it fucking grafts, man. Mm. That thing's got a motherfucker mo- motor on it. Yeah, it's an old Brooks. Two horsepower, fabric cobbled Frankenstein of a machine, but oh, it it works. Yeah, but at the same time, I need to get a bought belt grinder because you can never only have one belt grinder. It's also not a, a very efficient motor, is it? No, it's not a very efficient motor. Yeah, but that's not the point here. The point is, if you want to do whatever it is that you want to do, whether it's mm. flipping bushcraft, spoon carving, forging, stock removal. Uh, whatever, whatever you want. If you want to be a fucking singer, mm. you got to put in the hard graft. You got to put in the hard graft, and you got to do it by whatever means possible. 
you couldn't roll cigarettes a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, with my finger that was half chopped off, I could roll cigarettes. I figured out how to roll cigarettes by hand. After a few trusty tips. Yeah, from a master. (laughs) And then, like, the other day when I went into the the orifice, uh, we the the day job that I'm slowly getting out of, uh, painfully getting out of, um, I forgot my cigarette roll at home. It, It wasn't a problem because I could hand roll. That's the point. Yeah. Adapt, the point. overcome. Adapt, overcome. And that's mm. the thing. Like, if if one of your machines fucks out, but you've spent the time previously mm. with other machinery learning how to use that efficiently to accomplish various tasks, then you are better able to be more dynamic in the workshop. I mean, that f- the very first belt grinder... Or actually, the second one I bought. Because the first one was the one with the bench grinder. Mm. That one operated until the beginning of the year when I decided it doesn't have a fan anymore. It overheats. Yeah. I took another old electric motor that I got from my dad, which is older than me, and made another one. But uh, before the one Brooklyn show, mm. I was busy grinding on the the lawnmower version. <laughs> I was grinding on the lawnmower. What? It sounds so weird, but yeah. But it was yeah. the lawnmower version. Yeah. And... Because the electric motor... Is Sorry, got, just hold on. Was that the first Brooklyn Life show that you went to? Uh, it was the... Don't lie to me now. I think it might have been the first one. The first one? The first Brooklyn Life show I went to. You were exhibiting? Yeah. The, the, the couple... I think two or three days before Brooklyn... The belt grinder fucked out. Oh, what? Because the lawnmower motor, the yeah. electric motor, it's got yeah. no shield, no cover on it, no dust oh, protection. And of course, look. grinding metal dust yes. doesn't go well with angry pixies. And eventually yes. it fucked out. Yeah, yeah. So, there I was uh, with our belt grinder. So, what did I do? My dad had sent me a grinder for grinding stones, which is that motor over there. Right. And it had a pulley system. Okay. It's like, okay, I need to make a bell grinder now quickly. Yes. So, I took the pulley system. And I was like, okay, now I need a drive wheel. Because the elect- the lawnmower version had a 3D printed uh, drive wheel. Yes. And, of course, I don't have a 3D printer. Yes. Yes. It's like, oh, wait, but I have a big piece of ash. Yes. So, we rough cut a circle. Yeah. Fitted it onto the shaft, and I made a, a wood lathe out of it to turn the drive wheel. Right, right. And then I used that drive wheel to get a belt grinder. It wasn't powerful enough, but it got me to the show. Yes. And then after the show, I found the big two-horse Brooks motor, and there was two of them, so I bought both of them. Excellent. So the other one's hidden away. It also works. So if that motor decides to let the smoke out then i have another motor and that's that's a good point right there because Mm. i mean we spoke to god fletcher about Mm. this and he said as a knife maker ideally now i know not a not a lot of people can afford to do this Mm. myself included but um as a knife maker you need a fucking backup plan Mm. which me and and the grinder is well, if you if you're doing it as a hobbyist or as a part-timer, sure. 
<clears throat> it's not critical. Sure. But if you're a full-time maker... Which we both are. Yeah. We should have... You've got a, a backup plan at least. Like, mm. I I don't. Like, if my grinder fucks out right now, I'm fucked. Mm. Uh, we'll make a plan. Yeah. No, we'll make a plan. But, <laughs> I mean, it's inconvenient. Because when yeah. you get into that flow, mm. you don't want to fuck around. Mm. And that's uh, that's why I'm planning on when when the numbers fall right in the lottery. Yes. <laughs> I've already picked out the grinder I want. It's a it's a Trinity Forge from Garth. Yes. It's the the 1.5 Pro VFD. I don't want the switchback, the foldover one, because I, yeah, it's not your thing. Eh? It's not my thing. Mm. Um, I want the the straight 1.5 VFD, and I know Garth is here in box. He's like. 15 minutes drive from me. Everybody's 15 minutes drive. No, except for Trenton. He's like on the other side. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, I know Garth is there. And if I have a problem with that machine, it won't be a train smash because I still have my old Frankenstein. Because that's rule number one in knife making is you don't sell shit. Technically, if you buy, if you've got machinery... Mm. You don't sell it unless you like. Unless you're upgrading to something better. Yeah, I like think. like Jacques did. He had he had a three wheel Herbst and the, the another Herbst grinder. He had two grinders. He sold them both and he bought himself the switchback. Yeah, because he's going. He's emigrating, so he wanted to get the best machine that he can afford that suits the the, the way he works. And he did his research and he bought the switchback from Garth. Yeah. Um, that you can do. But yeah. for me, okay, he's emigrating, so it's a different story. But for me, I would have kept the other grinders. Yeah. Because you can always set up one grinder for doing a specific task. Absolutely. So you can have a, you can have like a slow grinder. <laughs> yeah. That's set up for slow speeds yeah. for just doing handle work. Sure. Sure. Um, and, I, and that's, that's the plan with, with my uh, grinder at the moment mm. is that I'm going to use it as a backup grinder. It's mm. a good grinder. Mm. It's a good grinder. I just let it. I let it go way too far. Mm. Um, apparently, maintenance is important. But um, yeah. yeah, so that's going to be my backup grinder and mm. potentially a grinder that I use for, I don't know, sharpening drill bits, flipping, doing handles, mm. uh, shit jobs that I don't really want to use my mm. my precision. If you want to put it like that, grinder. Mm. But it's um, also like Niels. He has his main grinder. Yeah. But he's got nine others. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I mean, because he does he does classes. But I mean, yeah. I mean, the if thing everybody is, could live in a world where they've got nine grinders, that mm-hmm. would be a happy place. Yeah, I mean, if you go to if you go to a guy like Rian Munzer, yeah, um, he's got that guy's pulling shit off, eh? Yeah, he's pulling some amazing stuff he, off. He, he. I'm sorry to cut you off there, yeah. but I just wanted mm-hmm. to mention this. I, he posted something on Instagram the other day that. I was like, oh my God. Yeah. So incredible. It was a it was a burl scaled um, folder. Folder. Yeah, Rian makes folder. Yeah, yeah. And it was stunning. But and you I miss- just like I was just compelled. I had to let him know how mm. much this thing was it was incredibly just. And the thing is if you go to to he's a, been a full time maker for a while, but if you go Long into time, his yeah. his grinding room, mm. I don't want to lie, but he's got like four or five different grinders. Really? 
Yeah, but they're all set up to do specific tasks. Because he's clever. He's running, because he makes folders, so he runs batches. Yes. So you'll set up one one grinders for doing profiles, one's sure. for, for doing the bevel. Yeah. One's for doing that, one's for doing this. So, and also the benefit of that is you don't have to change the setup on the grinder. Sure, absolutely. So like he's got one because setup. Because that, that takes time. Yeah, you, yeah. If you have to take a wheel off yeah, and yeah. put a platen on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It takes time. It takes time. Even if it's like gas one, you just slide it out and slide the next one in. Sure. Now you do something. Oh shit! I forgot to do that. Now you got to switch back again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So that's the thing. Like you want mm-hmm. to be, especially if, like, yeah, if you're a novice, maybe not so important. Mm-hmm. Not important really at all because you got time on your hands. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, no, not really, but. It's dependent on the situation. But anyway, the point here is if you can set up your shop to be as efficient as possible, mm. you're not wasting time. Yeah, that's why nothing is really set in stone in my shop. I'm sort of figuring it out as I go along. Yeah. You've got to figure out how the space works and what's mm. what what works for you. Yeah, like my, my forge is over there. Mm. The closest thing to my forge is my quenching operation. Yeah. So I've got... Three quench tanks. Yeah. I've got one for with oil. Just speak into the mic while you... Yeah. yeah. I've got one for oil if I'm doing edge quenches. Yeah. Then I've got a tube for doing longer blades if yeah. I'm doing a full quench. Sure. And then I've got my bucket with salt water in or brine mm. for doing the hammers. Yes, because you do that in brine, eh? Yeah, because yeah. It's, a, it's a low or medium carbon steel. So it's 1045. It's made for brine quenching. Right. Um, unless you go to thin sections, then you've got to do oil quenching. What is the salt? What What is the the amount of salt that you put in there? I bought it's a it's a ten liter bucket. Mm-hmm. No, it's a twenty liter bucket. Yeah, and I bought two kilograms of coarse salt. I don't I don't know what the ratio is. So okay, but it works for me. Okay, and sorry, carry on, carry on. But I've just remembered something we wanted to speak about. Yes, yeah, but the 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 salt. I know that this what the salt does in the water is it it minimizes the the vapor jacket around the steel. Yeah. And when okay. you're quenching a big thing like a hammer, sure. And because it's a, a medium carbon steel, it's not a high carbon. You want to get the heat out of there as po- quickly as possible um, to get the face hard because the core is still going to be a little bit softer, um, but you want the faces hard. Um, and normal water. Even if you agitate and move it up and down, yeah, it doesn't cool it enough. You still get a huge vapor jacket. That's what that's the salt- light and frost effect, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So the, the the salt helps make the vapor jacket less, if that makes sense. It's the same okay. as when you when you when you cooking food. Yeah. When you're boiling the water to cook your pasta or your rice, whatever, you put salt in it to raise the boiling point of the water. Isn't it to lower the boiling? No, it's to raise the boiling. Raise it. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know that, mm. but I, I don't cook a lot. Grant would have probably known that. Yeah, Grant knows everything. <laughs> but he knows a lot of shit about a lot of shit. He, <laughs> that guy's incredible. He knows so much. I don't and know it's... where the fuck he fits it in that small head of his. <laughs> <laughs> it's he. He's such an interesting man to talk to. And he surprises you at least once a week with something that you didn't I even think see. it's just because we don't spend as much time as we'd like to with mm. him. Like I think I, 
you know, when, and Grant, if you're listening to this, don't take offense, but I, I thought he was a relatively, mm-hmm. how do you put it? Not average, but like, just like your average guy, like, mm-hmm. you know, no shit about shit, but, mm-hmm. but when I, when I, when I started like hanging out with him and like, it was, whoa, I was so wrong. Mm-hmm. So, so hectic. I mean, we've got a, a small WhatsApp group. Uh, it's five people. Mm. It's me, Trenton, Michelle Zwan, Antony, and Grant. Yeah. And and don't ask to join because yeah. we are keeping it small for a reason. Yeah. Yeah, we're not going to add anybody. But Grant was like, we were chatting about something you know, a couple of months ago, and I mentioned something about philosophy. And it's like, oh, yeah, Grant like started spurting this stuff. It's like, Holy shit, dude! Yeah, I didn't. I didn't pick you for a guy. I knew something about philosophy. Oh yeah, no, I studied it. It's like what Hell the yeah. fuck over? Yeah, <laughs> he, he did. It was. It's crazy. Like he's. I was saying to him today. We were, we were chatting a little bit today, and I said to him, "I cannot wait for our next conversation mm-hmm. because it is extremely thought provoking, and it's and it's and it's conversations like that I have with Grant." And and yourself and mm. and other guys that that I starve for because it's mm. really really interesting to hear good good information and good perspective. Yeah, and I mean <clears throat> we don't agree on everything, but sure. the thing is, what's nice about Grant is he because he's studied philosophy, he can argue a point even though he doesn't agree with it. Or you wouldn't say, oh, he can he can debate a point. He can debate a point that he believes in, but mm-hmm. he can remove the fact that he believes in it. Yeah, which is incredible. Yeah, because people have a notion to want to defend things mm-hmm. that they believe in. Yeah, and look, there's nothing wrong with that, but it's just an interesting thing to be able to do to be able to discuss a topic mm-hmm. that you believe in, mm-hmm. but you you're counteracting that. You you discussing the fact that. What physical evidence is there that a, a said thing exists? Yeah, you know, I'm not going to get say, into it. Who's used to say do- dinosaurs exist? <clears throat> the fossils—they they mean shit, man. Those those were planted by the yeah, aliens. Look, I, I think that's pretty <laughs> solid. <laughs> I think but, that's pretty solid. But so. that's that's the point. Um, but yo, like it's 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 very interesting to discuss things with him because he's got a very unique perspective on things, and he yeah. can remove himself from the situation and what yeah. he believes like yeah, that, that's it's crazy that, that's, that's really, a talent i think we're going to have to have him on the podcast but i think we, sure we're going to have to have uh, a few enhancing substances absolutely and I he's think, so down with that i think we're going <laughs> to have to feed him quite a bit of whiskey because he he, he opens up quite a bit under, under the influence of whiskey he does and he can handle it so good yeah, I won't. I, I, I won't try and match him drink for drink with whiskey because that guy's a legend. Like, dude, I was I was at his place for for a bri, and we were chatting and chatting. No, it wasn't and- for a bri. It was the last time you were here. Uh, not the first time. It was the last time you were here. I dropped you off there on the Friday night. Yeah. Because on the Saturday, we were going to do something here. And you spent a Friday night there, and you guys chatted until something like four in the morning. Yeah, we did bra though. Yeah, yeah, you did bra, but you. you <laughs> I'm like, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> but it wasn't the time you went with Kamika because you slept over there yeah. that time. 
And you guys chatted and drank whiskey until like four in the morning. And then Trenton like hit the wall. And he's like, I, I need to sleep. And Grant's like, oh, I'm going to go bake some bread. It's like, yeah. what's he's, the fuck he's, over? He's like, are you going to hang out with me? I'm like, no, bro. I'm going to bed now. What are you doing? He's like, I'm baking bread. I'm like, fuck that. I'm out. <laughs> fuck that. Anyway, but... but um, We're going to have to do a... a, a, a we'll say just an, a, a mentally enhanced conversation with Grant. Yeah. Or medicinally enhanced it's it is a medicine, isn't it? Yeah, it is a medicine. We, we spoke about this. You got to find the right dosage. You got to find the right strain. Yeah, and then you bless. And the right form. Yeah, and you got to find when to use it as well. Mm. I think it's so, I think it's important. So some people it might be smoking, other people it might be eating, but we won't talk about what it is. We won't. It's anyway. important though. That's all you need to know. <laughs> Getting stoned is important. <laughs> It's important to me. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So another thing with that that I wanted to mention uh, earlier is heat coloring versus anodizing. Remember, yeah. we were speaking about this. Earlier. Yeah, we were speaking about that. It's like, yeah. What is actually the correct term for it? Because yeah, we were talking about these uh, Damascus pendant that uh, Trent's making. Uh, some of them are going to be at the Brooklyn Art Show. Um, but he mentioned that he's going to do some heat analyzing. I said, but it's steel. So it would be heat coloring or, or would it be temper coloring or what is the correct term? Is the material, yeah. does the base material, does it matter? Cause I know because this, the, this is the thing like Jack, I, I hate to, to quote, but Jack said to me that it is a form of anodizing. Mm-hmm. Now, but there was working I, with titanium. Yeah, there was working with titanium, yeah. but but mm. it was heat coloring. Mm. It was heat coloring. So the, my question, and and I think it's both our questions. Yeah, because we it, know shit. <laughs> <laughs> like we know how to do it. I don't know how to do it chemically. Mm. No. I know how to do it with heat. Mm. But like the question is, is heat anodi- heat anodizing? Okay, and then chemical anodizing and then heat coloring and temper colors are those all the same thing or are they different do like does your base does your base material because i know titanium and aluminium you can anodize steel you can't anodize but that's the chemical process of anodizing where you you can't anodize steel with chemical compounds no you can do other finishes. You can do parkerizing. You can do gun bluing or hot bluing. You do cold bluing. You can do heat or temper colors. Okay. You can do color case hardening. Yes. But now, what is the correct terminology to use? Because we don't know. Yeah. I, w- I would really like to get <clears throat> some some information from possibly some of our viewers who know more about this shit than we do. Um, because I think it's, you, you don't want to be spitting wrong information Mm. and, and mistruths and things like that. Like, I think a lot of knife makers and, and people in various industries get very frustrated with misnomers that are Mm. spread because of just people who are not informed. It's like, 
there's no ill intention behind it, but it's just like they're like just if, not informed. If you want to piss on Stuart's batteries, just talk about blood grooves. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a fuller, and it's there not for blood. Okay? Yeah, yeah, but it's it's like it's uh, it's technical jargon. <clears throat> so, or it's not technical jargon, but it's like uh, it's myths. Yeah, or, or, or folklore. Put it that way. Sure. So, and and that's the thing. That's mm. that's the thing we're trying to avoid here. Is yeah. the is the sort the of blood groove fuller debate. Yes. We we want to know what is the correct terminology. We we know what the correct terminology for fuller is. Mm. It's not a blood groove. It's a fuller, and that's that's my understanding for a fuller, is that, it's to add structural integrity. It's 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 twofold. It's and 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 to reduce weight in the blade. To redu- reduce weight, but also it increases the surface area, so it makes the blade stiffer. Which, which is structural integrity. So structural, yeah, yeah, structural integrity. So yeah. if you've got a sword, and it is just you know got a bevel on it, it's heavy, so it's not as it's not as nimble. Sure. It may be stronger, okay, but because of the mass being distributed all the way along the blade, it's going to be more bendy because of the mass. Now, when you put the fully in, you take away that mass, you increase the surface area, so you increase the... um, I'll get to the engineering term just now. It's stored in a corrupt sector. But you by increasing the surface area, you actually increase the stiffness of the blade because you it's like an I-beam versus a solid piece of steel. Yeah. An I-beam's made to carry weight sure. in a certain way. Sure, sure, sure. Whereas if you put a solid piece of steel, because you're adding so much mass, you actually make it weaker in bending, put it that way. It's interesting that. Mm. It's interesting. Like... The, look, I don't know much about, you know, engineering and things mm. like that, but, um, I mean, you're the right guy to talk to about mm. this stuff, is that depending on where the load's coming from and how the load is applied, yeah. depends, it like, dictates what type of material you need to use. It's not just the material, it's also the shape of the thing. So, like... The, yeah, the, the, yeah, sure. If you look at it at, at, like, a gas cylinder... You'd think it would fail by the ends popping off, but it doesn't. It fails by splitting because the hoop stresses from the pressure pushing outwards okay. causes the material to fail in an actual direction and not, sorry, in yeah, in, a, in an actual down the, the, the side of the cylinder. Lengthways. So, lengthways, yeah. yeah. It doesn't pop the ends off because yeah. the pressure is limited. Okay. So that's normally how a cylinder fails. Yeah. And, like, if it comes to beams, uh, you want the strength in the right areas, but also at the same time, you don't want to put so much mass up there because the more mass you add, the more support you have to have, the stiffer you have to make the thing. So it's trying to make the thing as stiff as possible, but with the least amount of weight. Sure. And that, I mean, even, like, on on bicycles, um, they made the tube sizes bigger in diameter 
but much thinner walled to give it more rigidity at a lower weight. Crazy. It's crazy, yeah. Crazy. But that's a the, black hole to go down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, look, I, I'm not intelligent enough for that shit. But like... Something, not high enough for that shit. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not high enough. Um, so, the mm. thing is... What did I want to mention now? Oh, yes. I was at Niels's place. Oh, man. When did this happen? I was at his place more recently, but this was about... About a year and a half ago. Mm. No. About two years ago, I think it was. It was before he built that big workshop. Okay, I haven't been to him since he built the big workshop. What? Yeah, I haven't been to him for... It's an absolute pleasure to walk in there. Like, I'd love to have a setup like that. Mm. And I will. One day. One day. No, soon. No, soon. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Don't, Don't hold me to it, guys. But yeah, the thing is, he was... He was um, making these these steel uh, pillars, the, these steel beams, mm. right? And um, he had to add material to make them the length that he wanted. Mm. And uh, so he he welded it in an L fashion. Mm. Um, and I. St- I said to him, like it wasn't strictly speaking an L. It was more like a like a, a straight Z, mm. if you want to put it like that. Mm. And I, I can't really demonstrate to the audience yeah. because it, it's a visual thing. But um, I said to him, why why do you do it like that? Why why would you not just cut it straight and weld it? Mm. And he was like, no, dude. And he took the time, which mm. I really really appreciated. Mm. He took the time to explain to me that this causes a stronger weld if you do it mm. like this. And it was like, oh, wow. Just just making that specific cut and, and uh, you know, I'm joining to, the p- two pieces I'm together trying to like get, that. I, I think I know it was in the I-beam section. Yeah, I think so. I Look, dude, I don't know about this shit. So this is the, <laughs> this is the problem. So it was like, it was, it had a lip here. Mm. I think. Oh, it's lip channel. Yeah, lip channel. Okay. Yeah. And then he cut there, down, and there. Yeah. And, and the reason you, the reason you want to do that yeah. is because because that thing's working in bending. Um, if you put a straight butt weld, which is when it's you cut it straight. Yes. Yes. It's good in actual and it's good in compression, but it's not good in bending. Right. Because you you. All the forces get concentrated where the weld is. Mm. So now, if you cut it at like that Z shape, yes. that straight Z shape, yeah. now you've got an overlap sure. of good homogeneous steel yeah. over homogeneous steel, and it's joined with a, a weld. Yeah, yeah. Whereas if you have a butt weld, it's just a welded line, yes. and, and you end up with a concentration there, and that's where it will fail. Sure, sure, sure. And that that was super interesting. Mm. So now we want to talk about um, finding inspiration. Okay. Um, but before we talk about finding inspiration. Coffee. Let's do a coffee break. Let's do a coffee break. I think that's a good one. That's a just idea. So just we're going to pause it here. Going to get coffee. And then we're going to talk about finding inspiration. In Not finding Nemo. <laughs> Nemo is. Unless your inspiration is called Nemo. Good job. We'll be right back with some coffee. 
Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Open Hearthcast. Find us on Instagram at Open Hearthcast, and we'll see you again real soon.